Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right, Adam and I are coming at you with a packed podcast here from Monday talking about the win over the Wizards. Talk about Blake Griffin making his Nets debut. Talk about some injury stuff that we got going on here with the Nets. A couple scares. Ultimately, though, come away with the win over the Wizards. Uh, and coming back after that brutal loss that they took uh, a couple of months ago that basically started a losing streak at the time. We're going to cover the entire thing right here. But first, the theme music. Are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Nets every day. I'm Doug Norrie, DFSR.com owner and operator, got you covered for all of your betting and DFS NBA needs, hockey, golf as well. Got you really every sport, one-stop shop, one-stop shop for all your sports needs. And over there is Adam Armbrecht, voice of the Brooklyn Nets on Sportscaster, host of the One Giant podcast as well, covering the New York, I almost said Brooklyn Giants, New York football Giants. He's got everything you need in the whole entire sports landscape. Buddy, how we doing? Feeling good, right? Have a have a bit of a loss over the weekend. Let's bounce it back because when you're winning 15 out of 17, I I don't like these one game skids that the Nets are going on. So they bounce right back uh, tonight, and that just gets me right back in a happy place. Yeah, we're coming at you right after the game here on Sunday for the Nets 113-106 win over the Wizards. Very glad we did not do this after Friday night, which just felt like. I mean, well, we can touch on the we can touch on the Orlando game very briefly here to say they lost. The Orlando shut the lights out of the building and they lost. I don't really know what else there is to say about it. They ran Aaron Gordon point guard, I think, just so the Nets would try to trade for him. We can talk about that later, uh, <laughs> like maybe later in the week because we got a funny week. But in all, we t- we uh, take the win over the Wizards here. A little bit of a. Um, like a comeback sort of win here because if you remember earlier in the season, the game they lost to the Wizards back on January 31st, they lost to them 149-146. That was not a quadruple overtime game, by the way. That was regulation, 149 points for the Wizards and 146 for the Nets. But that basically started a little bit of a free-for-all streak that they had because they lost uh, to the Wiz and they beat the Clippers, but then they lost three straight, Toronto, Philly, and then Detroit. Until and the Detroit game is what turned it around. So I don't know how you felt tonight. I didn't think the Wizards were going to present too much resistance. I was a little bit wrong about that. Nets do have kind of struggled facing this team. They really put up a fight against the Nets. Um, but ultimately, were you glad? I mean, we have to be glad to just see the win here. Yeah, of course. No, yeah. At the end of the day, for a team that it's funny because when you think about these teams that the Nets have quote struggled against over the start of the season, the Wizards are one of them having two close losses. But also, this isn't a team that you necessarily anticipate being around by the end of the year. So it's it's weird to call it a revenge game or good to see that you get back because this isn't say struggling against the Bucks and then knowing well we may need to go through this team at some point. That being the case, though, it, it was also. Interesting to think about specifically, this is Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. So then you're talking about teams that maybe have high-end guard play and how that can impact even the best of Kyrie Irving and James Harden because they're not defensive stoppers. So it's a different 
it's a different concern. Normally, we worry so much about bigs on other teams and the size of other teams. This one is actually a little bit different. We say elite guard play can also run hot, and they can keep the shooting going, can penetrate well, and it can make a game exciting all the way down. It's three games, and they've all been pretty darn close. Right, and I actually just watched over the the loss earlier in the season, 123-122. So I had just I just completely blanked that they already lost twice to these guys. I was more remembering that other loss because that was just such a backbreaker. It was the Joe Harris inbound play that was a problem? They were up five with like you know ten seconds to go or something like that, fifteen seconds to go, and ended up losing the game. So the automatic game, KD I, shot that always goes in and he misses it. <laughs> That, that's right, and it rimmed out. Right, I remember getting on the podcast that evening and just kind of feeling like, oh my God, what just happened there? I think I, titled, I, think I actually titled the podcast <laughs> that next day, What Just Happened? <laughs> but uh, they, do, they, uh, right. they come back, they get the, they get the win here. A couple of weird, I mean, by the way, we completely skipped over the Blake Griffin uh, piece. Blake Griffin makes his debut as a Brooklyn Net. We're going to talk about that at length, so no worries there. Uh, we'll talk about that in, uh, coming up later in the show. Uh, this game was a, a weird one. It was a really physical game. A couple of scares here. One probably going to end up being a bigger scare than the other. The first was that James Harden gets his bell rung right before halftime, and he's sitting uh, on the he's sitting basically at half court, and he just kind of sits there in a daze after getting his head knocked by Garrison Matthews on I, I guess was tantamount to a loose ball. How worried were you in the moment when you see Harden sitting there? He's grabbing his ankle. I actually when I before they showed the replay, I actually thought it was an ankle thing. I thought it was like a non-contact ankle injury, and I got really worried because I was like, oh my god, they lose LeBron here the other day to an ankle thing. Who knows when he's going to be back? And then Harden kind of like right after he's sitting there dazed. I thought it was an ankle issue. How worried were you when we saw him kind of just sitting there and not getting up for a bit? Well, that, and I say thankfully, but thankfully I saw the 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 replay where he gets hit across the chin, the head area. So I went, okay, maybe maybe he's a little dazed, a little confused. And you saw him kind of stretching his jaw out, his neck area. So maybe just you know he tweaks something there. Obviously, I think the, the most concerning moment is when the Nets kept playing and Kyrie came up the court and then actually made a move to, like towards Harden while he was on the floor. So I was like, you, you, all of a sudden I flashed this calamity of a guy who maybe has tweaked something and it's not that big a deal gets wrapped up in a, a second you know, incident on the court and now you double down on it. But it was, I wondered if you were going to see him come back out. I I, I don't think I was, I wasn't overly concerned with Harden. There's another injury that happens in this game that is far more concerning. Harden, ultimately, I thought maybe he got his bell rung. So halftime when he comes back out, you at least feel like, great, this is a non-issue and we don't have to worry about him going forward. Yeah, and the one you're referring to is Landry Shamit. So Landry Shamit on, I, I assume that's where, unless there's another injury that I missed. No, here. no, that's uh, the guy. I assume yep. you're talking about. Yeah, okay. So Shamit comes is a, in the third quarter, is at the top of the key, goes for a three, and it looked like Garrison Matthews did not allow him landing space. I don't think it was a dirty play or anything like that. I think it was just a contest where uh, the there just ended up not being any space. And Shamit goes down after clearly twisting the ankle bad. Um, like the ankle he, twisted it, a bunch of different ways. You don't you don't want to see it. And he knew it kind of right away. What were we going to say? No, that it's because of the back of. So when he does come down, he said not a dirty play, but the back of his landing foot comes down on yeah. the on the other foot. So like it's not even just a bad twist, but it's also like a pop you know, pop forward. So the, the, where, where the ankles connecting at the bottom there, it, it feels like you hyperextend it and then you possible, possibly also twist it. So it was a pretty bad beat again, not dirty, but you could see Shamit was, was visibly pissed at 
this sequence of events because not only was it, if, even if it wasn't dirty, but there wasn't a foul call on it either. So he comes down, doesn't yeah. have room to land, no call, and then he, he it looks like that potentially doesn't return to the game. That one feels like something to keep an eye on, and, and in this spectrum of this season, every single time, almost with uh, you know to to a T. Every time the Nets get one guy back, somebody tweaks a little something, and, and you see them have to shuffle the deck a little bit here. Yeah, the Nets have already come out and say that he's going to get x-rays on it probably tonight or at worst tomorrow morning. So we'll have news uh, by the next podcast, I think, what the Shamit injury is. I suspect we're probably going to see him miss some time just by how it looked like he landed. At first, I thought it might be an Achilles thing. I, I don't, they're not, they don't seem to re- be reporting that that's a concern that they have. So that's good. Uh, could be looking just at a sprained ankle when it's all said and done. But sprained ankles can be their severity and grades to ankles. Like not all sprained ankles uh, are the same exact thing. So we'll mostly, I mean, excuse me, we will probably for next podcast have a clear definition, at least what maybe a, uh, you know, loose timeline around what we're looking for with Shamit. But all in all, uh, in the end, this is a nice win for the Nets against the Wizards team that they should beat. These are two teams in a row, the Magic and the Wizards, that really should be automatic wins. I get the Magic piece. The other team shot the lights out of the building. You're going to every once in a while run into teams that are going to do that. And you can just lose. And like we said, the Wizards put up a fight here against the Nets. Got uh, really scrappy. Uh, did have some confusing stuff at the end of the game, which we can talk about here in a little bit, about not maybe understanding what the score or time was, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was uh, a little interesting at the end. But right after the break here, we are going to have to talk. We are going to obviously talk about the um, the debut of Blake Griffin, what we saw with him, what there is to maybe the way the Nets are going to use him, the rotations that they brought him in on and who they tried to pair him with. So we're going to get to that all in a second. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Theragun. Look, daily life can be stressful right now. It can weigh on your body. I know it can weigh on mine, uh, whether you're an elite athlete like me or someone like Adam, you know, just like, you know, diametrically. I'm just kidding. Adam. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jesus, I wasn't, I wasn't even just sitting here. I wasn't even doing anything. Good Lord. <laughs> We're both of us. Neither of us are elite athletes, but we're both trying to make it through the day tension-free. Theragun definitely helps. Theragun's a handheld progressive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. It's just as quiet as an electric toothbrush, though. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing the tension, and it uses a signature percussive therapy which goes 60 percent deeper than a regular vibration alone 60 percent buddy you're not going to see better results than that than theragun the oled screen and design makes you feel like you're holding something from the future and like i said it's just built for that stress relief and muscle relief that you're going to get with theragun it's trusted by 250 professional sports teams like real madrid and athletes like paul george deandre hopkins maria sharapova and hundreds of of thousands of customers. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. You have to go to theragun.com slash locked on, just like our podcast network slash locked on right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. And obviously, got to talk to you about our friends over at betonline.ag. What a time for sports right now. March Madness is up into full effect. NBA going every single night. So if you're a basketball junkie, there's no better time of the year. And there's no better place to get in all your betting action from betonline.ag. They have everything you need for the sports fan. Real-time updated odds, props on anything you can imagine. 
also all the news and scores you need as well. It's just the, and it's also just the best way to put in bets online and it's totally free to sign up. If you head on over to the website, betonline.ag on your mobile device, sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code locked on just like our podcast network right now. Go to bet online. They're your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code locked on for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Oh, and it's all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with help from all of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts fulfilled. Obviously, we're going to get into some of the, the key sequences here. You mentioned at the top, Blake Griffin makes his de- debut. I think we're, we're I, I know, we're going to be a little bit on other sides of, of our thoughts around his game. A uh, quick aside, though, you did also mention LeBron James and the ankle injury. James Harden for MVP now picking up steam as, as some of his competitors are maybe dropping like flies. That's just a, a side note that, that, yes, it excites me because I want all the accolades this year for Brooklyn. Oh man, I can't. Uh, it's hard for me to get on the juju when it's around injuries. So I'm. I, I'm I know. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, I feel like it's just bad. Uh, it's bad dharma, buddy. Like uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make my own. I don't know. Whatever. I guess juju is the word I'm going to use. All right, let's talk about Blake Griffin. So he checks in here finally. He had been multi-game absence because of uh, they were ramping up his conditioning, or at least that was the party line. That seems to make sense, though. He had sat for a while uh, on the Pistons as they were working to just get him into a buyout and probably just not get him injured. Uh, so he sits out the first few games here for the Nets, but does make his debut. What were your initial thoughts? I, I have some thoughts of my own here. I have some thoughts about you know who they sort of decided to first time pair him up with in terms of rotations. But getting him on the court here for the first time in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, sort of how were you feeling seeing him take the court? I mean, still Blake Griffin. This is a guy that at a time was at the very top of the NBA sort of pecking order, not at the very tippy top, but he was he was up there. Um, first time in a Br- uh, Brooklyn uniform. What were your thoughts? Yeah, listen, gives you 15 minutes, like you said, getting himself back into game shape after a long layoff. Uh, two points, two rebounds. If you want to take away the, the biggest positive, plus 12. He led the team in plus minus, so that, that isn't entirely a fluke, though it can be a byproduct of who you're on the court with. Um, I, I really think, going back to when you and I talked about the initial his initial uh, buyout and that the Nets were going to be bringing him in, I think he gave me the exact sample size of what I think he is. He's not the same athlete that he was. Everybody should have, should have known that coming into it. But what he is, is slightly more athletic and versatile than DeAndre Jordan, specifically around the defensive piece of it. And he's still, he's still slow. He's not, he was not Nicholas Claxton. He's not Jeff Green in those, but I do, I do think he's a little bit of versatility there. And then the favorite, my favorite part of his game was down in the low post. I, I think that receiving the ball in the lane, his ability to identify outlet passes to draw in the defense. I think that his facilitator, right? The ability to be an assist player on this team too is going to be a function of his game that, that he should be able to lean into. He doesn't get credited with any in this one, but he had a nice bounce drop-off to uh, Bruce Brown in the lane. He kicked one outside, and then the following rotation led to a nice made bucket. So th- there, there's things to like. I wasn't setting the all-star Blake Griffin bar for him coming in, and I, so I, you know that that is why maybe I wasn't disappointed in what I saw, but I think that he has functionality here. I, and by the way... This is, I think, also what he is. He's not ramping up to become a starter on this team, just in case fans are thinking that. I think he's ramping up to be a DeAndre Jordan 20 minutes a game kind of guy in support of the best versions of these lineups when KD gets back, and that's going to be Claxton, and it's going to be Jeff Green. Blake Griffin can pepper himself in along with DeAndre Jordan. 
Yeah, I I'm glad you mentioned the slow piece uh, because that he was because uh, he, yeah, he is <laughs> that was you know I was I don't want to knock him too bad. He has not played in a game in a while, so that is to be expected. You're not going to come out at probably top game speed uh, just from the start because you just he sat out for a while, and that's just kind of the nature of sort of the, what the, what a ramp up is. I, we do know that the iteration of Blake Griffin that we saw in his final days in Detroit was not the iteration of Blake Griffin that was jumping over cars at uh, the dunk contest a few years ago like we just ha- we understood that that was not the version that version of Blake Griffin doesn't get bought out and signed for basically a million dollars by the by the Brooklyn Nets so like you're not getting that version of him in a situation where he still is that ver- you know what I mean so like mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, th- I think I think our expectations were um were tempered and they should be and most Nets fans expectations should have been tempered as well I think if his name isn't Blake Griffin you don't even probably notice that he's on the court <laughs> I don't think uh, at least the, what happened here I thought it was interesting how they kind of brought him in and in the initial rotation they brought him in with which was basically all non-shooters and Harden uh, it was it was Harden Bruce Brown well, I'm going to be Shamit's a shooter. But Harden, Bruce Brown, Shamit, Blake, and Claxton. And I thought, okay, that's a little bit interesting because they have a slasher in Bruce Brown and really not much of a shooter. Uh, you have Claxton, who most of his offensive game is predicated on pick and roll and kind of just like getting to the hoop. And then you have Shamit, and obviously Harden can kind of just do whatever. So I thought that was interesting in that I thought that maybe they would try to surround him with a few more shooters and it kind of they ended up just kind of putting him into a place with a guys who tend to play like around the dunker spot to begin with like mm. like like Bruce Brown uh well I mean he kind of is more of a short roll guy and Nicholas Claxton so I thought that was interesting and it kind of worked in in the sense that what they're trying to do I think with him there is to get him on guards because he get mostly his guard if you watch him play now he's mostly guarded by guards at this point in his career like yeah. that is his pro- it's not and, and by the way it's not a cross matching situation oh, excuse me it is a cross matching situation but it's done on purpose by the other team the other team does not feel Nets didn't feel like this when they played Detroit the Nets, they don't feel inclined to put a primary big on him because there's no threat that he's going to punish that big Excuse me, there's no threat that he's going to punish the guard at all on offense, and he really didn't. Like, that's why yeah, evidence— quick, You talk about that quickness not being there. When you don't have that quickness to the step, then your size is—you know, you get diminished returns on having the size advantage because you can't take that and body down into the lane. And it looks like the quickness of guards can stay in front of him defensively, so it mitigates any risk of him working into the low post. Exactly, exactly. And he's really not playing in the post at this point. He's playing high no. post, and they're trying to maybe facilitate some offense through him. He struggled to get even get into the high post against some of those guard matchups, and this is why you end up seeing 15 minutes and very you know little in the way of actual stats because he only ended up taking two shots, one of them a dunk. Got to like that, though. Gets into the yeah. lane and, does, and was clearly very pumped <laughs> to have dunked, yeah. to have dunked the ball. Um, did a blow-by uh, and got the two-handed dunk, and that was clearly – and I was I, I did a little – fist pump for him too that was a nice little moment for him like I said though I I, it was mostly the the rotations were more interesting than his actual play I think his actual play was pretty Mm -hmm. uninspiring I don't wasn't really blown away by anything he did the defensive piece was fine I guess I it didn't you know it wasn't brutal (laughs) so I guess that's good Uh, but like I said if this hadn't been Blake Griffin that we were talking about I'm not sure we're spending an entire you know many minutes talking about it except to say this was kind of what I expected and this current form of him probably cannot play more than 15 to 18 minutes on this team because it would start just taking away minutes from somebody else and that was my initial concern like I said overall 
you know, solid C plus B minus effort. That's what you're getting from basically a buyout guy. And that was the expectation. So sorry if I sound a little, my, you know, my enthusiasm's uh, tempered here, but in the end, I didn't see a ton to get excited about, but I didn't see a ton to take away from it either. Yeah, yeah well, again, like you said, if you said if we set an impossible standard for him coming in, then maybe you'd be then you would be disappointed, right? If you think that oh, well he's ramping back up and you think there's a little bit more upside here than we maybe realized, that's certainly possible. But again, I had relatively I had reasonable expectations. I think that he came close to meeting those, and I'll be interested. We've seen this with a lot of a lot of guys on the roster whether it's coming back for injury or otherwise. As you start to get into a rhythm, as you start to find your role within this and learn and understand the offense a little bit better, we can probably see some marginal growth there as well. So, you know, first takeaway, glad that he's on the court. I, I think that it helps in terms of having another body in the 4-5 role mixed in with Claxton, even Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, and now Blake Griffin. Just another active body to have in there. I think he'll, again, to your point, 15 minutes, that's probably about the cap that I want for him. And I think he can have a nice complimentary role there. So good debut for Griffin overall. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm going to go back and watch uh, some of his defensive sequences a little bit more over the next couple of days. We have an interesting schedule with the way the week breaks down this week because they do a quick West, West Coast game uh, and then they come back for a Friday night game. So we'll probably spend a little more X's and O's time during the course of this week talking uh, about the Nets because there's uh, just the way the schedule breaks down. There just uh, aren't as many games. But yeah, like I said, I, I'm fine with what happened. I think this was the, ex- the expectation around it. I think it will probably improve as his conditioning kind of ramps up too. So I think there probably will end up being a little bit of a more uh, explosiveness. I think that he's not going to get overpowered when he's guarding bigs. It's going to be problematic when yeah. he gets switched onto guys. So I think that's a different thing. But if he's tasked with guarding some bigger bodies, I think uh, we'll mostly be okay there. Okay, we're going to finally talk a little bit more about the game here because we've talked very little about the actual Nets win up until this point. First, going to talk to you about our good friends over at Blue Chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Love anything that's a fraction of the cost of something else. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED. It can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. It's an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Process is totally simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's done all online. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared to ship direct so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout and just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. All right, and as you know, we have been telling you for 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 forever on this podcast about how great Built Bar is, the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. We know that the network we're we're battling each other for best flavors. Obviously, Doug Norrie's father is stealing Built Bars from him at his house. My mom has now started to creep over to my apartment and try to find ways to get some of these great low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars. And they're 100% chocolate on all the bars as well. The reason why my mom's into it, by the way, is because a lot of these are gluten-free. And I, I have that allergy. So does my mother. So just another another reason to enjoy Built Bar. In the, the DMs that we're talking about on Twitter, it's obviously where we're debating Built Bar, which one is the best in Built Bar madness. Today, Doug, I got to get your take here because cookie 
Do Chunk is waiting in the wings for the winner of Coconut versus Birthday Cake. Who you got? Oh, that's easy for me, Coconut, only because I'm not a birthday cake guy. But if you're if you're a birthday cake guy or gal, that is it's such a great one from what I've been told. But I'm going Coconut uh, just because that one just knocks my socks socks my knocks my proverbial socks off. Love a love a coconut. Always going Coconut. Vote in Coconut. I love it. So we'll see if he pulls it through. You can go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. This is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will be coming the best-tasting protein bar. Now, you said we're going to get into the game action. One last thing that I think I took away from, from Blake Griffin's debut, and it does go into a guy that continues to have impressive, impressive performances for Brooklyn, Watching him, and then and it really is Jeff Green and DeAndre Jordan. This is probably this is actually probably going to be an indictment here a little bit. Watching Blake Griffin makes me appreciate where Nicholas Claxton' game is starting to go. It makes me appreciate that Jeff Green at 34 still has a lot left in his tank in terms of athleticism, right, and energy. And then even DeAndre Jordan, it makes me appreciate DeAndre Jordan because for whatever his game is, he doesn't have a shooting touch, but he is athletic enough to have those rolls to the basket. So I don't don't want to take away some of my compliments from Griffin, but all of a sudden watching him with everybody else, it, it heightens what all of their roles are and how they're valuable to this team as well. We're going to talk tomorrow for sure. We're going to talk about, I know for a fact, we're going to talk about these two things. We're going to talk about the Shamit's injury and we're going to talk about the big men minutes because we're starting to see a clear functional change in the big man minutes right now. But I don't want to just throw that in the back of the podcast because um, I think that's just going to deserve its own sort of talking piece. But we've seen a a trend line happening now with the bigs that we can see what's, you can see the writing on the wall, so to speak. (laughs) And and I think we know where that writing is going to go. Uh, In the end though, this game, 113 to 106, uh, Brooklyn over Washington. Again, for the umpteenth time in a row here, it's just what happens when you close games and when you just have just two, when you never take, uh, when, it, when you never see an offense, when the opposing team never sees an offense that does not have either Kyrie Irving or James Harden on the court. You are just going to have such a difficult time, especially when everyone else is kind of competent around them. Doesn't mm-hmm. even need to be superstars around them. Competent, competent level players around these two guys right now is enough to just maintain winning basketball against almost any team in the NBA, right? Yep. Yeah, you get you get the Orlando game, although you know that's it's just going to happen every once in a while. But this like between the two of them, Kyrie ten for twenty five, Harden ten for twenty three. Uh, 48 total shots from these guys. Harden, you know, was was still and continues to struggle from three. We'll talk about that later in the week, also, where the shooting uh, kind of has has kind of trended down a little bit for him. Kyrie goes one from six from three, and it still doesn't matter, right? Four, four from <laughs> yeah. fifteen from three, yeah. and it's just like, what are you going to do? Because these two guys continue to just bring such an elite level of basketball that even when they aren't at their absolute A game, like apex predator type like performances from the two guys, it's still such an issue for other teams to never they never get the foot off the gas and yeah you want to say hey the other team is bradley beal and russell westbrook it's not the same it is just not the same kind of thing they those are you met you at the beginning of the podcast you talked about the guard play and you know the nets kind of struggling with with elite guards these are two really i I guess beal's like a, a kind of an elite guard i wouldn't say russ is at this in this iteration of him but there's just such a difference in when you have two guys that can just brutalize you in any switch, any mismatch, at any point on the floor with any other personnel, and that's what yeah. both of these guys can do, you, 
even when you get like not their best games, like shooting from deep or whatever, you still just lose. And that's just what this was a theme we've been talking about for so long here with the Nets. Well, even when you think about it, end of the first, like, so go back to the you know, just the first to second quarter, right? The Nets are trailing by five coming out of the first quarter. They put up 38 points in the second quarter and go into halftime up seven. And that's predicated on a couple of handful of key sequences. You mentioned Harden hasn't been shooting great from the perimeter. And yet it was within, you know, four possessions that he knocked down a couple of the triples that he had in the game. So their ability to identify the key moments and, you know, come up, come up the biggest when they count the most, but uh, we're going to get into it. I know Kyrie Irving's play overall in this game, including on the defensive end. I, 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 he seems to be figuring something out, and this will probably be worth, because we're going to try to get, uh, obviously, as we mentioned, we're going to have Matt Brooks back on here. I think it's going to be worth asking him the question around what has Kyrie's game, how has it changed defensively in terms of the way he approaches it relative to other years in his career? Because, he, listen, he's still going to struggle at times, but he seems to, I said a handful of weeks ago, this defensive swim move that he tries to do to curl around some of those screens is keeping him close enough on Bradley Beal that he can be effective. He has some of those quick reach-ins with his hands, and again, that's always going to be the second piece for Harden or for, for Kyrie Irving. But in a game like this, when you're working your way through it and you're getting your looks and you're going to be clearly taking the volume of it with Harden in this one, that, that seems like they leaned in very heavy on that, especially when you look at some other shooting performances outside of Claxton. Those other little moments, though, are the real ones that you hang your hat on in this game because maybe you shouldn't always do it, but because you always assume the offense is going to happen. And it does hit more, you know, more often than not that the offense takes care of itself. And then it's about can you have some of those little plays on the other end of the floor? Incidentally, I'm sure uh, what it matters for you, Doug, but plus seven for Harden, even with that three from nine from the outside, minus seven for Kyrie Irving. That's he's going to, I feel like in that plus minus thing that you just, you dismiss rightfully. So it's not the end all be all, but in games against good guards as well, I think Irving's just going to fall prey to that type of stat line, no matter what. Yeah. I'm not really worried about those numbers for him because his numbers on the season are, you know, overwhelmingly positive. So if this game kind of worked out that way, I, you know, if you look at these two guys, there are a couple of things you just mentioned there. One, the defensive piece, uh, Kyrie definitely gave Bradley Beal a lot of problems in this game, mm -hmm. like, but really hounded him. Beal ended up uh, turning the ball over six times. He contested a lot of shots, especially some like late contests uh, that ended up really mattering where the game was close and Washington looked like they were going to try to be getting back into the game. Uh, Kyrie did an absolutely excellent job on Beal and a couple of those. Uh, and between the two of them, they forced Westbrook and Beal into 14 turnovers in this game, which is yeah. another story of this one. Like 14 turnovers for these two guys, as opposed to you know, if you look at those two guys, 14 turnovers, you look at Kyrie and Harden, four turnovers. Uh, it's just another you know little slash kind of big difference between the you know sort of how their play is and how efficient they can be. And you know when you said about them struggling also from the field, the thing about Kyrie and, and Harden is. The, the difference between them and even guys like West, like I'll, I'll use Westbrook as an example. The difference between them and Westbrook is when they're struggling from the field, there's still a threat that they will stop struggling, right? Because they will, yeah. they are going to, they are going to stop. <laughs> like at some point, they're just going to become the elite level shooters that they always have been for their entire career. Because we have thousands of minutes of example of them just being elite level shooters and offensive players, right? So like, even when they are struggling, the defense can't even look at them and be like, Oh, this is great. Harden struggle in this game. You know, <laughs> like it doesn't work like that. And just, right. it, don't worry it, about still, Harden anymore. Don't worry about Harden in the second half. He didn't look great it, in the first two quarters. 
Exactly. Like you can kind of play Russ the same way all the time. Like he's always he's always going to struggle from three, right? It's just going to happen. Like he's just always going to struggle. He's just a bad three point shooter, so it just doesn't really matter. So you can kind of play him the same way all the time with Harden and and Irving. You can't. Like you need to play them as if they are the superstars that they always are because there's just the threat that if you don't do that, they're going to turn back into it. So yeah, mm-hmm. is Harden struggling from the three from three over the short term of the last few games? Sure. Does it matter for the other defenses? No. <laughs> like they just hope that it keeps happening, but it doesn't make any changes for them. They still have the same defensive struggles, and that's why the other auxiliary players don't really suffer at all when these guys are struggling because the rest of the game still kind of continues on in the same way, if that makes sense. So like, it, it just, it just, it kind of highlights to me the difference between these two guards and then across the court, what you get with the other two guards and why, why this group is like a championship level contending team and the other one isn't. Well, and so oddly enough, because I think in a hundred percent on the, on that and why there's a difference between these two, a very stark contrast between these two teams. The other piece of it is as you get into the later sequences of this game, then it becomes as much about not on the same level, but okay, it's, it's Beal and it's Westbrook and it's Harden and it's Irving. Then the other factor becomes the, the other players, the supporting cast. You have key sequences from Claxton getting blocks on the defensive end. You have Tyler Johnson, you know, I mentioned it. I've been working on on using my powers for good. I threw out the idea of adding Nolan Jensen on Twitter saying, at what point do we officially say Joe Harris is in a slump? And then he knocked down back-to-back triples. Now, he only goes three for seven from deep overall in this game, but he got himself going a little bit more. He had a nice sequence as well where he worked it around the perimeter, found Johnson in the corner for a wide-open look, and Tyler Johnson is being effective in those opportunities. The only triple he made, but it was a it, when you need the shots, when you're trusting your teammates, they've been coming through in support of Harden and support of Kyrie Irving. So that, to me, was as much the storyline down the stretch of this because even if Westbrook's going to miss some of those deep shots. And then we're going to get into the closing moments here, right? So I I won't even belabor it. The supporting cast was really good for Harden and for Kyrie. I don't think you have that same level of play in behind Beal and Westbrook. That's the shortcoming here. And then you get into a six-point game down the stretch where I guess collectively the entire Washington Wizards roster just didn't know that the game was coming. We only do four quarters. We don't throw the extra fifth for fun. Well, let me just fast. Let's just fast forward to the end here because we're, we're going to come back and talk about the, you know some more of the finer details here yep. later. I do think that what happened was my guess is it was. I think it was a, so they're winning and they're, they it was they were up five with like you know thirty no up five with like nineteen seconds left and they didn't foul. I think what happened was they probably had marching orders to be like let's try to get the steal because fouling is like losing anyway. Because they're just going to go up seven, you know what I mean? Like they're just like right. they're just going to he's going to hit the two free the two free throws almost definitely. Um, at like worst, it's going to be they're up six, and that's just almost insurmountable anyway. I, I think they started that, with and they like, almost trapped him in the corner. So you think that that's what that it, is exactly, yeah. and, and that's what it was. I, they they trapped him in the corner. And I think they thought they had him tied up enough, and then by the time they realized that they hadn't, it was kind of over anyway. Does that make sense? So like it was weird, but I kind of got it. And it kind of looked like a bo- it kind of looked like a boneheaded play, also. But I can kind of like if, when I'm in thinking about how it kind of broke down, I'm like, oh right, they probably thought they had them tied up. Maybe they're going to get a jump ball. A foul loses them the game, also. So why not just kind of go for it here? And if it doesn't work, then like what's the point? Because we're just going to lose anyway. So it looks boneheady, and it probably was, but it's it's a little closer than like a total total brain fart. Yeah, and I think I'll actually I'll, I'll go high level. I it, it, you know if that's the case where you have your sequence that you want to run defensively for Washington, you don't get the trap. They kick it outside. To your point, I'd almost rather like I know I wouldn't want to see it as a Nets fan if it was my team, but almost the idea of listen, we're going to run this set. If we trap them, great, we get a jump ball, we have a chance. If not, 
are we, we're going to foul this guy to be with 15 seconds down seven. Hey, reality here, the, the, the percentage chances of completing right. that type of comeback are pretty slim. I wish almost more teams would say, we're going to run our best sequence defensively at you, and if we come up short, thanks so much, we'll catch you next game. Exactly, exactly. And I, so I almost like appreciated it from like, a, hey, I wouldn't mind starting the podcast, you know, 35 <laughs> t- seconds to a minute earlier. <laughs> if that's going to be heard, the case. I heard that's what they were thinking about. They were worried totally. about our timeline. Yeah. All right, we're going to be back later in the week. Tons to talk about. We'll, get, we'll catch up on the Shamit injury. We'll talk more about this Blake rotation. We'll talk about what's going to happen with these big men because um, I think there's a lot to kind of break down. We have games later in the week, hopefully some guests as well. So not a huge Nets basketball week, but it's a huge locked on Nets week because we're going to ton to talk about in the meantime rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcast five stars or bust also throw us a follow on twitter we're climbing to a thousand twitter followers i feel like we're going to get there this week you can be part of that group that takes us over a thousand if you're the thousandth twitter follower there's gonna be something big for you be like me, like saying thank you or something like that. But you can just, that, that's, that's kind of big. There's a lot of people that would really, there's a lot of people that really, really appreciate that. So go give us a follow on Twitter as well. Both of those things, totally free. All right, we'll be back later in the week. Actually, I think we're going to also talk a little Justice League as well. It only took me about eight days to make it through that movie, so I want to get Adam's opinion on it as well. We'll be talking Justice League and Brooklyn basketball the rest of the week. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>